and welcome to this podcast. I'm Anju Bhangurde, Executive Editor for the APAC region with Script and Pink Sheet. And today I'm joined by Mr. N. Raja Ram, Managing Director of Sanofi India, and also Mr. Salil Kalyantur, Founder and Managing Director of the Digital Health Consultancy, ARKS Knowledge Consulting Private Limited. We are going to discuss the various facets of digital transformation underway at Pharma, which has, as we all know, been turbocharged by the pandemic. If C stands for COVID-19 in the new lexicon, then D may well stand for digitization. That's the kind of rise we've seen in the importance of digital channels. We expect to delve into some of the big picture aspects on digitization, a kind of forest view, but also look at the trees, given the extensive experience both Mr. Rajaram and Mr. Kalyanpur bring. Mr. Rajaram began his career with Unilever and prior to joining Sanofi, was Chief Marketing Officer at Airtel, a leading Indian mobile services company. While Mr. Kalyanpur has held leadership positions in GSK and Pfizer in India, among others, prior. Thank you so much, gentlemen, for your time today. Thank you, Anju. Delighted to be here. This is Rajaram. Hi, Anju. This is Salil. Thank you very much for giving me this opportunity. So thank you once again, both. Let me begin with the numerous conversations on COVID-triggered digital acceleration in pharma. So some of the big names in the field say that firms can actually take this up to 10x if subject matter experts start to partner closely across functions including with the R&D, the medical teams, and the market access organization. And then companies start to think not just of marketing tactics. So if I can begin with Mr. Rajaram, what's your assessment of the on-ground scenario? Is digitalization moving well beyond marketing and across function in companies like Sanofi? Uh, yes, indeed. In fact, marketing itself as a function is being quite redefined. Uh, I think in most companies, uh, uh, companies like ours, uh, there are about three or four areas where I think uh, there has been a big impact of uh, digitization. The first, of course, is in the engagement with customers and HCPs itself, you know, because there are a whole lot of new channels, uh, whether it's video based or several other new, uh, you know, channels, uh, several more touch points, a lot of work around content. So that's one big piece which is there, which is on digital engagement. The second, I think, is in the area of R&D, where there's been a lot more use of data, both uh, for new products as well as for real-world evidence. Uh, the third is uh, in the area of digital manufacturing. Uh, we, for example, have a new factory for the future in the United States. Uh, you know, the processes itself are fully digitized. Uh, manufacturing is becoming modular. You can make uh, products in, you know, half the time and in twice the quantities. So that's the third area in manufacturing. The fourth, uh, I think, which is quite interesting is that we're all reinventing the way we work because of digitization, whether it's in terms of employee experience, uh, you know, both at office and home. And of course, uh, digitization is now all about partnerships, right? You can't do anything yourself. So that's a big change for companies like us, where we are partnering with the larger ecosystem. So these would be, I would say, four or five key areas where uh, companies like ours are moving very fast. Great. So clearly, I think a lot of momentum across the organization. So if I can just take that to Mr. Kalyanpur, you're a digital transformation advisor to companies. 
What have you seen? Are there stark differences if you compare the digital progress of, say, Indian and foreign firms? Uh, yes, Anju, I, I think I would. Uh, you know, I, I think uh, I, I just saw a poll a few days ago which says that uh, COVID accelerated the whole transformation process, the digital transformation process in pharma by, by as much as six years. So, you know, that, that has kind of uh, captured the mood of the industry pretty well. Uh, while digital or the use of digital has probably not yet come to a level of maturity at the customer facing uh, level, I think in the back end, you know, in upstream activity, I think uh, uh, pharma is doing pretty well. So pharma is using a lot of digital for improved patient care. I think there are lots of examples that we are seeing where companies have started to work and collaborate with with not just within the pharma industry, but also with companies outside to, to think about how patient care can be improved for the therapies that we sell. I think there is also uh, a lot of use of digital and data in drug discovery. The use of artificial intelligence and machine learning has helped tremendously to bring down the costs of drug discovery and speed up the time to that. I think there is uh, also, you know, stuff that has happened on uh, on managing inventory and and on hastening the drug development process. Now, all of this is actually adding to greater transparency across the value chain, and this is this has happened quite a bit in the Western world, and I think companies in India are also coming up to speed with uh, with this. There are, of course, some outliers like Dr. Eddie's, which have already done this a few years ago, while some of the other companies are quickly catching up. Okay, that's really interesting. So clearly multiple facets and probably the pace of digitization is varied uh, depending on, uh, you know, the region. Uh, let's now touch upon some of the people aspects. So there's a lot of focus around the need for digital subject matter experts and the tech guys to kind of sit alongside marketing and sales, the medical guys and market access leaders as part of the brand team to really meaningfully translate some of these to you know, brand and customer strategies and real world digital engagement solutions that can enhance both the business and the engagement with physicians. But oftentimes we are seeing that cultures or then as one expert put it, even the glossaries don't really match. So are we seeing the traditional hierarchies, the silos evolving in pharma? And are big tech firms the best source of talent as pharma ups digitization? Let me begin with Mr. Rajaram for the big pharma view. And then uh, Mr. Kalyanpur, then you could probably share your assessment as well. Look, this issue is, uh, I think, less to do with whether it is a tech or whether it is pharma. I think changed is that uh, you know it's no more about digital marketing and digital engagement it's really about engagement and marketing in a digital world which has multiple facets to it and for that like in any other industry if you have to keep the customer at the heart of everything that you do so people who bring that right mindset of keeping the customer at the heart are really the most important people it doesn't matter whether you're tech or whether you're pharma and all those things having said that I think you need to bring together different skill sets now. And that's because they come from very different work environments. I think organizations need to now adjust uh, their structures, their processes to be able to include people with very, very different uh, you know, origins in terms of talent. So we are moving very clearly from a command control, you know, one leader, organization chart, waterfall, all those kind of structures to fairly more agile organizations where 
teams will be rapidly formed around a project. They will assemble. Uh, they will have a few sprints uh, for projects. They will test and learn. Then they will execute. There'll be a feedback, and then they'll improve. So it's quite like how you know a, a digital software industry would work, and that's uh, that requires a mindset change in organizations. And I think that's the kind of talent which is coming together in companies like ours. Of course, we're focusing therefore a lot also uh, you know on ways of working, but also on knowledge and application. So we have a Sanofi University, which is completely in-house, uh, and it is something which has both in-house content as well as external you know, uh, content and training and universities like Coursera or even full-fledged, uh, you know, uh, establishments. And yes, uh, I think the reality is that pharma is used to more conventional work design, you know, uh, and uh, new talent, uh, which needs to, uh, you know, be introduced uh, will flourish only when two things happen. One, when I think culturally, the senior leadership in the organization are able to provide the environment but also, I think, when a minimum number of people in the organization actually change, because if you just get, you know, 10 people coming in from tech and you have, you know, 300 guys who are traditional, then either the 10 guys will become clones or the 10 people will leave. So I think if you want a cultural change and you want to bring both of them together, you need a minimum critical mass of outside talent coming in. Thank you so much. Those are really fascinating insights. Uh, Mr. Kalyanpur. Uh, what about you? What are you seeing? Well, I think the compatibility issue between pharma and tech is something fascinating, right? And I've been observing this with uh, with a great amount of uh, uh, curiosity. So I think tech and pharma are traditionally very different industries, and and pharma, you know, has always been very product centric, uh, while tech has more or less kind of you know focused on on customers, on 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 acquiring as many customers as possible, reducing costs of of product and and moving to scale as quickly as possible. So while pharma is about small and concentrated customer groups, you know, as we see more innovation coming in the niche areas like rare diseases, orphan drugs, et cetera, tech is about serving at scale. So as there are, you know, it's kind of diametrically opposite. Pharma has always been accused about uh, about its focus on profit, while tech is, is a large thing about freemium. Now, it doesn't mean that tech doesn't make profit. It makes massive profits, but then customers don't grudge them, okay? and uh, the kind of uh, needs that pharma caters to are, are very different. You know, tech, tech folks are more about solving problems, while pharma is too regulated to find easy solutions. So uh, the, the cultural shift within, within the pharmaceutical industry has to be uh, quite, quite, quite fast. There has to be a recognition of, of certain very basic issues that, that hinder the industry from thinking large, broad and wide. And I think, you know, uh, tech and pharma will only see eye to eye when when pharma decides that its strategy is going to be about scaling up operations, about redefining its customers and about expanding its definition of products to include services. So I think it has it has to expand beyond, you know, my job is to make medicines and nothing else to go beyond that. And I think that's uh, some interesting points that uh, that pharma is picking up from the tech world. And uh, probably not in conventional pharma or traditional pharma, but at least we're seeing, you know, uh, patient engagement industries that are mushrooming on the side like digital health, which has which which is taking the best of both pharma and tech and creating really good products and services uh, for uh, for for uh, healthcare consumers. Thank you, Mr. Kalyanpur. All really great insights on importing talent from the outside and, you know, uh, the best kind of combo to make it a powerful combination. 
uh, also the bit on the Sanofi University, really interesting stuff. Um, so we've actually now you know, covered a bit about the strategy and the talent part. Let's move to what all this means in terms of costs. So are there any broad estimates of the kind of cost savings with digitization across the pharma industry? And uh, Mr. Rajaram, this is specifically to you. Is it tough for leaders like yourself to constantly prove the value that digital brings? Or are we beyond that hump now? So let me go with the first piece. Uh, I think, uh, you know, digitization purely for cost savings uh, can be quite a narrow goal, you know, because that's obvious, you know, you will have productivity, you'll have efficiency and, you know, in manufacturing, in supply chain, you see that because of analytics, uh, simulation, all of those kind of things, faster turnarounds. But I think the bigger benefit you get from digitization is really relevance, you know, because customers have become digital, patients have become digital, expectations on services better. And therefore, if you look at it from that point of view, you shouldn't worry so much about whether digitization is giving you cost savings. Most of what we are getting today in the COVID world is cost avoidance. It is because, you know, some costs don't need to be incurred because of the environment, but it's not really cost saving in that sense of the world, right? But I think uh, what's more important in digital is really what you asked about measurement and impact. I think we don't design digital initiatives for measurement. Most of our digital initiatives nowadays, because it's new, is largely designed to deliver a goal, but not designed for measurement. Because if you want to measure something, you need to design it right from the beginning in terms of measuring lead indicators, measuring the metrics. Uh, so I think we have to learn to do that. Uh, and uh, I don't think, uh, you know, there is enough evidence that it works or does not work. Uh, but what is very clear is that it's worked elsewhere. The, the, the thesis is that it should work here and therefore we should do it. If you're spending too much time on proving whether it works or not, I think it's pointless because the reality is in pharma, we don't really measure even the non-digital piece too well. Right. And if you really need a pilot for digital, I think the last one year is the biggest pilot we've had for digital. <laughs> where half the world has been sitting at home and doing business in pharma. So did it work? Yeah, perhaps it worked. So I think we should uh, just embrace it and go ahead with it now. That's really interesting. So clearly there is a thesis uh, you're saying, and it's more about cost avoidance right now rather than uh, gains. Okay, so just let's uh, shift tracks a bit and uh, move to another defining trend we've seen amid COVID uh, in several markets, and that is the surge in telehealth. Uh, in the Indian context, uh, the National Health Authority in India earlier this year noted that India has registered 6.2 billion teleconsultations per day amid COVID, and this is expected to go up, or rather they achieve, hope to achieve 200 billion teleconsultations per day. Now, even if this current trend dips in the post-COVID scenario, what are the kind of changes you envisage for pharma's overall commercial model with consultations shifting online? Uh, let me begin with Mr. Rajaram. What does this mean for Sanofi? Look, I think it's uh, one is to recognize the fact that this is here to stay because uh, even if uh, the experience is mixed with teleconsultation, the benefit is clear. Yeah. So I think in the current world, what has happened is uh, there was a lot of teleconsultation because access to physicians was missing due to COVID. Uh, but I think in future, even if there is no COVID, I think people have seen that because of lack of infrastructure, teleconsultation gives us an opportunity to engage with physicians and have a reasonably good experience. Therefore, for companies like us, 
we have to be very clear. One, we need to be present at the point of prescription, whether it is as consideration, whether it is as a reminder. So I think we are partnering with teleconsultation firms to or new platforms, which have, we haven't built anything of our own, but I think the opportunity is there where we are there with you know new teleconsultation setups where we have partnerships. The second, which is more interesting for us, is that data actually is getting more organized because it's all now digitized across different platforms. And we as a company are far more an R&D and uh, insight-driven company. So for us, the availability of uh, you know anonymized uh, patient data, which will be in terms of insights, in terms of longitudinal data studies, those will be helpful in improving the quality of products in terms of the experience for patients and for long-term drug development. That's where we see a big benefit. Okay. Oh, that's that's really interesting being at uh, the point of being present at the point of prescription and uh, the other aspects. So, Mr. Kalyanpur, how has te teleconsultation changed the broader playground for pharma? What are you seeing? I think teleconsultation, telehealth is a fascinating space. And, uh, you know, just this morning I saw a report which said that investments in telehealth globally have gone up about 169% to about 5 billion only in the second quarter of 21. So there's a lot of interest, there's a lot of uh, investment, lots of people are trying to innovate on that front and create uh, you know, uh, great experiences for consumers and, and, and customers, uh, also for, for companies. But I think it is not just about teleconsultations, uh, a lot of different things have moved online, right? So e-commerce has emerged as a major retail channel for in india you know about seven to eight percent of of retail is happening over online so euro monitor uh, it has also let out some uh, data saying that you know it estimates about 17 percent of uh, of retail is going to be uh, on on e-commerce uh, e-pharmacies e have uh, have risen and have been estimated to reach about 3.6 billion by 2022 and and that's at the at the at the consolidation front where you know business is getting online for for consumers you know there is an emergence of the do it yourself healthcare kind of a model where people have learned how to manage their health uh, at home or or remotely you know you don't need to go to a hospital for every single consultation or a or a follow up call or something like that and consumers are happy to move and consume healthcare from home okay and and these uh, the digitization of these services, the dematerialization of these services has actually created uh, time and distance as immaterial. You know, it's done away with that concept. So I think from that perspective, the consumer behavior has also drastically changed or, or, or is changing. And, and these there seems to be a permanency around these things. In response to this, the, the way companies are organizing has also interested me a lot. And you, you're seeing the rise of digital ecosystems that are coming. You know, Apollo has been doing a lot of good work in that area. DRL just announced uh, their foray into digital health. Lupin did that a few a few weeks ago. So, and, and of course, there's this whole digital health companies that have come up on the side. So, you know, the whole marketplace seems to have undergone a structural shift. And uh, what, what we are keenly observing is whether there is a permanency to this or if this will actually go back to uh, normal. Now, no one expects this to go to 2019. So therefore, you know, and nobody expects it to be as drastic as it was during the lockdown. So I think that is where you come up with the term called the new normal. There will be changes and it will be very interesting to see how uh, pharma responds to that. 
Thank you, Mr. Kalyanpur. That flows nicely into the second uh, bit of the question uh, that I'd just like to uh, you know, get your views on. So uh, we've actually seen uh, several leading firms in India tie up with one or more marketplace uh, teleconsultation platforms with roughly 8% estimated to have even launched their own platforms. And as you mentioned, uh, DRL just partnered with ICICI Lombard for a OPD service del delivery platform, which actually brings together the docs, path labs, insurance, and pharmacies. Uh, but the question is, how are HCPs viewing this? And are they comfortable with platforms backed by pharma or where pharma is at the fulcrum, given the access to patient information and also any potential complications around compliance going forward? So I, I, I take it to you so that you can give me the you know outside inside kind of view wearing both the consultant's hat and the industry expertise that you come with. So I think you know pharma driven platforms. You know I've spoken to a few uh, HCPs about this and have tried to uh, also uh, talk to them on behalf of some clients that I'm I was advising. So uh, the the feedback that I got was that pharma driven platforms are still viewed with a bit of trepidation by by doctors. You know there's this whole concept of data privacy. Who owns it? Uh, who's responsible for it? What happens if there is a, a certain problem or something like that? Then there's of course this Personal Data Protection Act that uh, that they have to comply with and so on and so forth. So the way to quote one of the doctors, they said this is like you know uh, uh, we have a f an attitude about pharma saying that you know it's like the fox guarding the hen house if we if we allow uh, pharma to be on this. Now also I think to be fair, pharma's own policies will not probably allow. Uh, companies to come too close to to patient data, and so therefore there is always a, a middle ground that needs to be worked out. But paradoxically, uh, you know, HCPs expect pharma to manage patient engagement or to help manage patient engagement. So they've they've always talked about, uh, you know, how would, how great it would be pharma could create health counselors or patient concierges or or just help us to understand and navigate through the new technology help us to understand the rules that are associated the data managing the data doing insights out of that whatever else that is required you know there's a lot of value that they see that pharma could do uh, and and so pharma which is traditionally owned patient engagement and health outcomes has unfortunately kind of you know al almost but all exited this this space and handed it or considered it over to a completely different industry which has come up and so therefore you're seeing Many tech guys, who tech-enabled platforms, coming into this area, and and a full new industry has emerged on the side, uh, you know, due to the white spaces that uh, that pharma has created. Now, uh, I think how this this pans out and how uh, those guys manage to get those guys, I mean, the digital health industry, how they are able to get HCP confidence, uh, is is uh, is to be seen. I think that is where. Uh, pharma needs to step up and create a level of confidence with its customers that you know they can manage this and this is traditionally something that they've done uh, and they should be allowed to do that a little more. Okay, so clearly a bit of an evolving space and probably pharma needs to have you know sufficient guardrails in place to avoid the fox guarding the hen house syndrome. Uh, well, okay, so now Let's move to some of the other big picture aspects around the newer digital commercial models. Uh, would you say that these models have actually democratized innovation to some extent, making it attractive for smaller firms with novel drugs but tight budgets, or then again for drugs with limited sales expectations or indications that come with lower earnings thresholds? Uh, so Mr. Radharam, if you can share your views, uh, how are you seeing this? 
Well, not necessarily specific to digitization, but the fact is that, uh, you know, smaller biopharma companies, uh, you know, are getting a lot of uh, opportunity now uh, to develop, to innovate, and uh, partner with larger commercial uh, engines which are there with big pharma companies. But I think if you look at the last 15 months, the vaccine development itself is a great example of where we've had small boutique organizations which have done the research and then you know moved on uh, to commercialize them with very different uh, business models. Uh, I think that that is here to stay. In the past, uh, often diseases, uh, you know, rare diseases and often drugs were often uh, developed in that manner where they used to be small specialized companies and uh, you know they used to get a lot of support uh, from the commercial engine of big companies but what's changing because of digitization is that i believe that the intermediary uh, you know will probably get less and less uh, you know relevant in this entire thing i think direct to patient models where uh, boutique companies can directly supply uh, or service patients i think could be a big opportunity uh, the other piece we have to remember is that innovation is also beyond just the pill. And I think uh, over here, we are seeing a lot of players who are small, who are smart, who are not big pharma, who are coming in to make a big difference, whether it's in terms of, you know, some of the uh, digital services which are being offered uh, in terms of participating in the digital ecosystem, whether it's in, uh, you know, customer engagement, whether it is even in diagnostics, uh, whether it's in devices. I think in all these areas, uh, you know, small companies can make it big and uh, it is not necessary to follow the classical one small bright company partnering one big commercial engine. I think the commercial engine in the middle is at risk because of digitization. Really interesting. So newer commercial models probably are being explored. Uh, so Mr. Kalyanpur, uh, would you say digitization lends itself to both the small and big uh, biopharma firms and both small and big opportunities as well? I think so. I think and uh, I, I think what has happened over the last uh, few years is that, you know, really impactful innovation has actually moved away from, from pharma. And biotech companies that have been funded by private capital is where, you know, the real innovation in, in, uh, in pharma and in products like gene therapy, novel uh, you know, targeted medicine and th that kind of uh, those kind of classes of drugs are actually coming out. So, uh, pharma, of course, has has a stake in that. They have uh, invested in those companies using you know through corporate venture capital routes, and uh, they have first rights of acquisition in some cases for these companies. But uh, but also another thing that we're seeing is that the value of acquisitions is reduced, right? So probably the last big one was Takeda and Shire, but after that, you know, all the acquisitions that have happened have not been in that range at all. So the smaller, more nimble organizations are are bringing out a, a whole new set of products, and I think uh, you know that's helping pharma as well, as long as they're able to kind of uh, have stake in that. But I think with tech merging, you know, your to your question specifically about the the impact of digitalization, I think the technology industry coming in over there and and looking at how uh, you know how software can eat the world, you know, and and how bio and tech are merging together, etc. I think they are coming up with some really nice examples of how um, Google's working on on uh, neurodegeneration so solutions for new neurodegeneration. You know, the SpaceX guys are they're working on Neuralink, Elon Musk and group on helping in Alzheimer's and and that area. Then there's Microsoft that's working on a cure for cancer and a cure for aging. 
and and so on and so forth so very interesting groups of of products coming out of uh, non traditional pharma companies so i think what is going to uh, be most interesting to observe is whether you know with tech coming in we will see moore's law reigning supreme or and, and replacing you know what pharma did with moore's law and turned it into a rooms law so i think if that that part is uh, is set right then i think you know uh, the consumer wins at the end of the day thank you so much so really some fascinating opportunities uh, you know that can be explored uh, if i can now just get to you know what's really happening on the market uh, we are hearing of digital launches in india uh, for example sun spoke of some you know x number of digital launches and some of the aspect so mr radharam would you be able to share experiences from any recent digital launch for a sanofi therapy and uh, more specifically are digital models now based more on a kind of personalized ai enabled and agile content that is targeted at specific hcps uh, yes i think in the last 15 months most of the launches anyway worldwide have been digital at least the big ones and that's true for us uh, globally we have uh, you know quite a few launches uh, Uh, which have been digitally done across the world in india as recent as this last month one of our uh, you know leading uh, insulin launches which is insulin glargine 300 brand called tujio along with an absolutely new device uh, was launched and this was you know a completely a digital launch uh, reaching to you know more than 4000 physicians and uh, this is today possible because you are able to tailor make your engagement uh, you know depending on the kind of physician where they are etc and uh, it is also uh, an advantage now because you can do it simultaneously and not sequentially like it used to be in the past in a big country you know do it city by city etc you can actually do it simultaneously but what's important is to leverage the power of digital in customizing that launch for the persona of the uh, doctor depending on the uh, you know specificities of that uh, particular therapy and uh, i think that's something which we have done and we find that uh, something which is you know going to be here to stay now is it really about use of ai uh, not really it's about personalization uh, not yet down to any equal to one level but uh, certainly in, at some time it will get to that i think there isn't enough uh, you know uh, data in right now in terms of capture collection etc for it to be driven by ai but i guess at some point of time it will it will come but what's more important is that you know this whole digital engagement uh, is not about uh, you know a pdf file on an ipad and sending tons of emails to people i think that's where we have to be very careful because uh, a lot of digital launches can just become digital intrusion and uh, you have to be careful and responsible in the way you actually engage with doctors uh, digitally absolutely i mean we've heard uh, several uh, you know comments from physicians who say that we don't want to be uh, disturbed by uh, you know digital bombarded by digital content also so uh, mr kalyanpur uh, that brings me to the question are hcps in india increasingly happy to stick to the remote only interactions with reps or you know is there still a huge appetite for face to face so i think different customers of uh, sorry different segments of customers have different needs right so uh, i it's it's not something that you can generalize across every single doctor segment uh, there are a lot of guys who say that uh, you know they are happy with the remote engagement some of them who want 
a periodic, a less periodic, but definitely a face-to-face -face meeting with people from pharma. Some other people say that digital doesn't work and, you know, uh, as, as soon as uh, the reps can get back to my clinic, that's good. So there are different kinds of people who, who want this. But if you look at some of the data that's come out of, uh, you know, a, a CLM company, what, what's happened is that over a period of time since last year, uh, the number of virtual rep to HCP meetings has kind of gone up, you know, gone up almost six times, apparently. And and uh, also friends in different companies tell me that, uh, you know, when they are able to do uh, a remote call with with their with their customers, that call time has gone up from about zero to three minutes that used to happen in the face to face world to about 18 to 22 minutes. And uh, this, of course, requires a, a lot of personalization. This requires a lot of relevance, and 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 this happens only when we, uh, when when pharma is able to talk to their customers with the relevance and the and the personalization of the content that's required, which makes it uh, interesting for them. So what has happened is that the number of doctors who are engaging on digital have gone down. The 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 coverage of the universe may have reduced drastically. But the ones that have stayed on digital have actually found that the digital experience is great. And and so as this expands, I am quite confident that more and more doctors will take this seriously. At this point of time, HCPs are, have, who are opposing the digital uh, reach out is, are largely doing this because they don't understand or they the only thing that they have experienced is a, is a slew of webinar invites and good morning messages and please prescribe. Uh, WhatsApp messages and SMSs and stuff like that, which makes them feel that they're being, you know, it's very interruptive and it's very disturbing and a lot of spam. But uh, if a if a design, if if a digital outreach is designed well, then I have no uh, doubt that you know the the uh, more and more interaction can happen uh, over digital platforms, and HCPs will be very receptive to uh, to pharma reaching out to them uh, uh, online. Very important insights. So personalization of content, uh, specialism, etc., all all vital, pivotal in the digital world. So finally, gentlemen, with all the buzz around digitization, what's the next big thing you expect in pharma's digitization journey going forward? Uh, let me begin with Mr. Radharam. What's your take? What are you seeing in the future? Uh, three to four things. I think first is that, uh, you know, it's a very disaggregated uh, set of players right now. So what digitization is going to do is that there is going to be an integration of various players, whether it's pharma, pharmacy, consultation, diagnostics, insurance, healthcare delivery. So I think there's going to be either an integration which is through another organization or it's going to, you know, naturally evolve. And I think that's a big, big role which digitization will play. The second is speed to market. I think uh, you will now have uh, a lot more confidence in getting products and services much faster um, uh, because of digitization. Uh, the third is going to be in the area of uh, HCP engagement, which is where the customer experience will become more critical because still now we've been solving our problem of not being able to reach. But I think in future it will have to be to solve more of the doctor's problem. And the fourth, I believe, is going to be a lot of change in the kind of talent which will come because we are digitizing, because we will attract a new uh, kind of uh, you know, talent, whether it's in terms of skills, gender, location. Uh, and I think that these three or four things will be very critical, apart from, of course, I think the disease management will become more important than just medicines because of digital. 
Really, really interesting. So, um, Mr. Kalyanpur, let's do a little bit of a free consult. What are you telling your clients to gear for? So, uh, Anju, I think uh, you know the future is all about customer experience, right? And as the as the uh, reach out is going to be more and more impersonal over a digital medium, as, which means that uh, the role of a human to human interaction might probably reduce, not go away for sure. Uh, the level of uh, experience that a customer has on those platforms becomes front and center of uh, of success. So everything depends around that. And there's a lot of information to say that, you know, a large number of companies, Gartner estimates this is about 90% of companies are fighting in this area. They're competing in customer experience because, you know, products are increasingly not differentiating themselves. So you have to differentiate using experience and loyalty gets built over there. So uh, that's one very important uh, thing. I think moving forward, uh, the entry of technology or technology-based business models into pharma are, are, or into, this, into the space that pharma operates in are, are going to create a whole new set of products which are, which are going to emerge from, from digital platforms like uh, the mRNA vaccines. You know, the, the speed with which products come into the market are going to be different. The kind of products that are going to come in are very, very different. Uh, the, the mindset of technology to solve problems and not manage them is is going to be vital because you know for years we've been managing cancer probably there may there may be somebody who is going to find a cure for it aging so on and so forth uh, lots of different uh, new technologies like 3d printing you know 3d printing of organs for example if that becomes mainstream that's something that uh, can change the way uh, can change therapy as we know it okay uh, the third important thing is how this all gets organized in the marketplace. How does a new marketplace get created? And that's where ecosystems and super apps are coming up. Right? And so companies are largely, you know, very non-traditional companies are getting into the space. They're looking at it as just another part of human life and not specifically working on healthcare at the core. So that's going to be, those are very large organizations. And so their business model entirely is about acquiring as many customers as possible and serving them. So this has probably also going, this is probably going to have an impact on the pricing models because, you know, at this point of time, pharma pricing seems to be quite out of reach or at least, you know, under criticism uh, in certain areas. And, and I think if, uh, if technology-based companies can crack that because that becomes another uh, area of inefficiency that they're aiming at, the first area of inefficiency was distribution, which I think the e-pharmacy model has more or less uh, demonstrated that it can change. So similarly, if they start working on these kind of problems, I think, you know, overall, uh, the delivery of healthcare, the consumption of healthcare and the points where healthcare will be, cons uh, will be consumed, the companies who will provide that, the products that they will offer, and all of that is likely to undergo a sea change. That's what I think. Thank you, gentlemen, for those fascinating insights on pharma's digitization journey. Uh, a special thanks to both of you again, Mr. Rajaram and Mr. Kalyanpur, for your time today. Thank you very much, Anju, for the opportunity today. Really enjoyed this discussion. Thank you, Anju, for having me here. It was a pleasure.